0: listen to them
1: children of the night what music they make welcome to fear the talking queers we're back well
0: then who the fuck are you
1: hosted by jake Sines and frankie corona gonzalez Uh showtime bitches Ooh, i love scary
0: movies
1: don't forget to rate me five stars
0: greetings bitch (laughs) hi bitch (laughs) how are you oh i am fantastic how are
1: you i'm feeling so good we're in our third week of recording our new
0: season I know this is so exciting it's like flying by like we're just like pumping them out
1: I know let me turn down my mic a little bit it looks it literally my bars look like I'm screaming yeah (laughs) how do you think
0: I feel (laughs) <laughs>
1: At the end of every recording, Jake takes his earphones out and there's blood dripping from his, his ears blood, yeah. From my screeching-ass voice.
0: Uh, exactly, yes, I know. We
1: have to get into it. Our movie this week is obviously Jordan Peele's Nope. Let's talk yes. about the lead-up to this movie, because this was a highly anticipated thriller from Jordan Peele. Like, people could not wait for him yes. to... Uh, bring out his next movie after Get Out and Us, and even producing Candyman, that kind of was just sort of credited as like a Jordan Peele film, but everybody was waiting for the next Jordan Peele written, directed by, right? So... Nope. We we talked about Nope so many times on the show. We knew very early on that it was about aliens, not just because the poster was indicative of that, but because, <laughs> because we had some insights. <laughs> we had some inside scoop from a fan of the
0: pod. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes, we did. We had somebody who uh, hinted at, hinted to us what the premise of the film was going to be about before. Yeah. Anybody we knew knew. They had a very um, close relative
1: d- working on the film, and they were like, oh, I already know what it's about. And we're like, what? What is it? And they were like, aliens. <laughs> and
0: we're like, ah! Oh! We were gagged. and Gak We gooped. actually, what I remember is that we started fil- like a recording Bell one me. of our episodes literally minutes before... Or sorry, minutes after we had seen the poster, the poster the was time. came out. Do you remember yes, that? yes, and we were like, "Oh my god, we have to talk about this right this second.
1: Yeah, and there was a lot of marketing for this movie. Like there, like he released like the intro to the Gordy's Home sitcom on oh, yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But I was not looking. I, I remember you asking a question on one of the um, episodes. we were talking about what's coming up, like feature films. we like, "Of course, uh, Jordan Peele's Nope is coming out in the summer." And you were like, "Are you excited for that?" I'm like. No, I'm not. Only because I was not like hyping myself up to watch it because his movies are so cryptic and so like you can't. I don't know. I wasn't <laughs> going like to start my research you don't early. Like to think. Yeah, I was like, no, I have to
0: like wait to watch it. <laughs> well, I think there was a lot of expectation with this movie too. Yeah. And, and you know, I think when the premise came out, what it was about, that it was going to be a sort of a, a science fiction film, I think people were. Waiting to see how Jordan Peele's approach to a be, sci-fi or, or, alien you know, movie, yeah, yeah, and and like what it's going to subliminally say about race in America or whatever you know, what is, yeah, well.
1: because the first two movies were, I mean, obviously he he puts that social narrative in there for all of it, racism yeah. for Get Out, classism for Us, and so we're like, what is he going to do for Nope? And he went in a completely, I would say, different direction.
0: Um um. Yeah. In, in, in a, a way. Bit, yeah. In, in, in a way, I would say, I think um, he even said in one of the interviews that I read, he's like, God, he's like, can't people just like let me make a movie? Like, yeah. <laughs> can so it much, just like, be a movie? Pressure about- now. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that I don't want to say it takes a backseat here because there's obviously a lot of social commentary within. Yeah. There and, is. And, you know, about, you know, race in America and things like that. But it, it doesn't seem as like. It's not specific. riddled in there.
1: It, it's yeah. I think it's more so just the progression of like exploitation, which has been yeah. a hot commodity for uh, horror movies this year. It has been like even the first couple of Scream X, like the, we and even the movies that we covered here on the show. Like there was so much about exploitation in in our movies. I don't right. know what that's
0: about for our current climate, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that. You know, I think we're, we're just becoming more savvy to how we've exploited people, Yeah. <laughs> you know, different groups of people, or you know, Britney Spears is the inspiration people. for this movie.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> yes. No, and, and I think that the conversation is just very prominent right now, and it's very yeah, it's it's just everywhere we go now. Like everybody's the Me like, Wait Too a minute, movement, we're the rethinking how we've treated and exploited people for the past, you know, however many years, at least 100 years in in the media. Yeah, and, so, and Hollywood specifically. Um, yeah, it's just the conversation right now. And yeah. and um, Jordan Peele said that he was really inspired to write this movie during the COVID-19 lockdown because he's like, everybody seemed to be really infatuated with the spectacle, right? Yeah. He was observing a lot that... Everybody was like either glued to their TV, so no, like you know, death counts and things like that, and like just like the whole spectacle of the whole situation. Yeah. So it just it was sort of like the thing that inspired him, and then of course he did in his own way. There was a
1: lot going um, on: COVID nineteen, the presidential election, like everything was a spectacle.
0: Right. Exactly, and people have a hard time looking away. From things like that, mm-hmm. it's like everybody's obsessed obsessed with the spectacle. You know, yeah, especially for right sure.
1: now. For sure, he's such an intellectual. That's what I love about his movies. But also, it can be overwhelming. Like to do a podcast episode on a Jordan Peele right. movie, we've kind of shied away from it. I remember us being like a really big <laughs> project for us,
0: and that was our <laughs> second episode. It ever. was. It was. And so we were. And so we didn't really know exactly what we were doing yet. And not saying that we do now, but I mean, we were. I remember sweating. Sweating. I was like, "Oh my god, what if whoever's listening?" It's like these bitches are off, uh, out of pocket, exactly, (laughs) or or like don't know what they're talking about, or did not do enough research, or.
1: Well, I think that's why we haven't had the balls to dip into like the Get Out territory. We're like, I'm scared of that movie. our brand though is kind of like this like himbo like <laughs> valley girl vibe <laughs> clueless you know Us? so it's like no, no. <laughs> they come here for the facts the fame and
0: the, <laughs> the, for the fortune and the story uh, yeah the, the story. fortune. <laughs> they come here for the fortune that's
1: how you get the facts the fame and the story yeah <laughs> okay so we just have to dive into it and rip the bandaid off and really put our smart caps on
0: <laughs> alright yeah Everybody, do that with us, because here is Nope. It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. OJ, it's, it's in the cloud! cloud! hmm Yeah, no, no, no. Run, O.J.,
1: run! Nope, released in 2022. Written and directed by Jordan Peele. A master of horror, if you will. Our film begins with a title card, a Bible quote from Nahum 3-6. I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. I'm telling you, it's the end of days. Okay.
0: I'm like, I didn't even realize there was a book of Nahum. I was like, wow, I'm quite the heathen.
1: Me either. I guess it's part of the Old Testament, which is more fire and brimstone.
0: Uh, Okay. I was like who (laughs) i was like like, that's not that's not the christian bible but i guess it is
1: we then see a bloody chimp wandering around a messy sitcom set before we cut to otis haywood senior played by horror royalty keith david and his son otis jr better known as oj played by daniel kaluuya The men begin their day by taking care of the horses at their Hollywood ranch, Haywood's Hollywood Horses. In the background, a radio mentions the mysterious disappearance of two hikers. Soon, the electricity goes out while screams are heard from the sky. Debris begins falling from the sky. OJ watches as his dad falls from his horse. He rushes to his side and sees a coin has cut through Otis Sr.'s eye. OJ tries to get him to the hospital to no avail. Otis Sr. dies. When O.J. makes his way back to the ranch, he notices a key stabbed into one of the horses. Six months later, O.J. waits for his sister Emerald, also known as M, played by Kiki Palmer. Yes, (laughs) Kiki. He is on the set of a production where one of their horses, Lucky, is to be used for a commercial filmed by cinematographer Antlers Holst, played by Michael Wincott. Everybody welcome Michael Wincott back to the show. (laughs) Em soon arrives and helps explain the safety precautions of filming with Lucky. She also mentions that Haywood's Hollywood Horses is part of cinema history. (laughs) I love her (laughs) delivery. She also mentions that Haywood's Hollywood Horses is part of cinema history, as the 1st motion picture ever created was that of their great-great-great-grandfather riding a horse. The production crew doesn't seem interested in anything M says as they ignore the safety precautions and flash a reflective bulb into Lucky's eye, causing him to react violently. The Haywoods are fired from the project with a CG high... CG... (laughs) With a CG high... Grab getting CG high. (laughs) Hmm. The Haywoods are fired from the project with a CGI horse replacing Lucky instead. This is a loss for the Haywoods as their ranch is struggling financially. Afterward, OJ and M meet with Ricky Jupe Park, played by Steven Yeehan, a former child star who owns a Western themed amusement park called Jupiter's Claim. Honestly, this is the first time I realized that the, that the theme park was named Jupiter's Claim. I thought it said Jupiter's Clam.
0: Jupiter's Clam? That's what you thought this was called?
1: I don't know why I was thinking a shell. Jupiter's Clam bake. I don't know if I was thinking like Jupiter Florida, so like. Ocean.
0: Jupiter. <laughs> Jupiter's Clam.
1: <laughs> no, it's called Jupiter's Claim. A play on Jupe's claim to fame as he got his big break in a successful children's western movie called Kid Sheriff. OJ and M decide to sell Lucky, making him the 11th horse they've sold to Jupe. During the meeting, Jupe shows them a private room filled with memorabilia from a moment in his childhood career. He charges fans to see or spend the night among the souvenirs. Among the souvenirs is a blood-stained sneaker on display in an upright position. He recounts the traumatizing event on the set of the sitcom Gordy's Home through an SNL skit portraying the disaster. The sitcom involved a family who has adopted a chimpanzee into their family. The chimp playing Gordy became violent while the show was filming a birthday episode. Back on topic with the Haywood transaction, Jupe offers to buy their ranch, but OJ declines. OJ says he's waiting for an opportunity to buy the horses back from Jupe. However, Jute makes an expression that alludes this may not be possible.
0: No, not the horses.
1: I know. Okay, wait. So, the movie opens with Gordy's bloody aftermath, right? And I was like, what is happening? Like, I didn't even know the movie had started. I didn't know if there was was a trailer. Neither
0: did my friend. My friend leaned over and goes, oh, I thought this was part of the movie. I said, it is. It is part of the movie. Yeah. No, (laughs) Andre leaned over to me and said,
1: is this the movie? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I think
0: it is kind of confusing. And what's kind of confusing about it is that like just seconds before the movie starts, the monkey paw productions come up and you're like thinking monkey paw and then monkey attack. And you're like, am I watching a trailer for something called monkey paw? Yeah. I don't know that Jordan Peele is, it's almost like anxiety
1: company. inducing and then you start thinking about monkey pox and then you're like wait what's <laughs> going
0: on Yes, yeah, and then all of a sudden you get monkeypox, and then it's just then you're
1: yeah. like fuck I forgot to get my vaccination I'm gonna have sex with this guy tomorrow what am I gonna
0: <laughs> do that's ex- these are all the feelings that this brings up <laughs> I get my second monkey pox vaccine tomorrow Ooh, woo, woo. oh good for you uh, yeah it's
1: running pretty, yes. pretty rampant up there you better be careful you don't want to do that
0: <laughs> Oof, no, you do not want that. So get the vaccine if you can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when this started, I was like, what's this? And then you see that shoe that looks like it's floating. And I'm like, okay, the aliens are here. But it's funny because right. once you get the story, you're like, it has to be aliens before you realize like, oh, actually, it's the monkey has gone crazy. Like it's it's right <laughs> yeah. in front of you. <laughs>
0: sure. Yeah, it, it does almost feel like, they're alluding to like the aliens are there and gravity no longer exists or yes, something exactly. you know, like that. Like, like the rules of physics have changed now that these aliens have shown up. Like, just because that's what your expectation is, but then we find out that the shoe is sort of inconsequential and just sort of a kind of a confusing. Uh, yeah, image. It's a confusing first movie. couple of
1: moments in this. Like even the credits, like showing what we now know is the eye of the monster, and then it kind of leads into yeah. this two second motion picture clip of the Haywood grandpa riding the horse and then there's a lot going on in this opening and then Otis yeah. Senior dies and you're like
0: whoa! But I, I like how it kind of starts with the score like the score is oh, so it's amazing. it just feels very very Spielberg or like you know something like a classic sci-fi film. Yeah. Yeah. Not too scary but Uh, it's bringing on a
1: sense of doom but at the same time it has like these. Adventure. Positive like uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah like these uplifting
1: moments where it swells and it's
0: like grand and you're like whoa. Exactly. And so we get this like moment between father and son and little do we know what's about to happen where things just start bulleting out of the sky and un- uh, unfortunately kill one of our one of our characters immediately and so yes. yeah it's a it's, uh, it's throwing surprise after surprise at us
1: yes once they show that x-ray of otis senior the skull the cl- cl- the the um coin and the coin is rather important because then when you think about it at the end Em uses a coin to kind of bring it all back together yeah so that's kind of a a cool tie in but yeah freak accident and we don't really know what's going on we don't know what to attribute to the aliens we don't know what's (laughs) going on at this point if it was a freak accident but of course the explanation that we get is that uh, an airplane must have like some trash must have fell out of it and killed
0: the dad Great. A rational explanation, for sure. Rational explanation. In this moment, we start learning about who our characters are and what they do. Right. And um, we come to find out that they are horse trainers, which, I mean, I think is... It's, it's an interesting, you know, occupation, to kind of spotlight. Because yeah. we, we don't really... You don't really think about that when you watch films, right? You don't really think too much about, like, who trains these animals for the movies? And... and don't even think that oh yeah like there's probably an entire business around behind that yeah who trains them who how do they train them who manages them when they're on set and it's such like a thing that we i don't want to say take for granted that's probably not the right term but we just are oblivious to we don't really think about that yeah we're introduced to these characters that that's like their their livelihood and their life and
1: uh, mm-hmm. I love the Haywood Ranch as the backdrop for this movie because yeah. in a story about fame, spectacles and Hollywood exploitation, we have this calm, serene farm
0: that feels very grounded um, compared to yeah. the industry that they serve. It's a constant hustle for them to, you know, stay in business. And they, it doesn't seem like things, like, maybe necessarily just, like, come easy to them. And I don't know if that's, like, a comment on, like, the fact that they, do, they are the only black horse trainers in the industry. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, but it seems like they're they're constantly hustling. They're, they're keeping yeah. the business going. And
1: it's a it's a dying art form, because everything in the movies now is so CGI. They're like, it's just cheaper oh, of course. to do CGI instead of bringing in well, a real-life horse.
0: I've always thought about that, too, because I'm like, is that why like things are becoming more CGI'd? Or, is it because we're becoming privy to the fact that maybe animals... Are mistreated or are mistreated or aren't wanting to be these things and, you know, are sort of forced into a life of having to be the spectacle for us. Yes. To watch and to Exactly. So and that's why I've always thought about that. I've always like, Oh, we're we're making the transition from abusing animals (laughs) to um (laughs) To just imitating them. Just yeah, exactly. For the sake of storytelling. it was a big controversy after that um, movie came out that was like a dog's life or a dog's story or something oh, like that. Oh, uh,
1: where it's constantly being reincarnated as a different dog?
0: Yes, 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 yes whatever that movie was. But then all this like, kind of stuff came up out about it, like behind the scenes footage of the dog like that they were using, who was was like really scared, really felt like it was in peril and oh it, no it kind, of went, it kind of went viral and I feel like ever since then this might not be true but for to me it's felt like ever since then th- there's been a transition in in the use of animals in, in film possibly yeah yeah, yeah. I think it started a conversation but of like, oh, this movie a- about a dog's life and that like claims to be so, you know, empathetic or about the animals, and then they're like <laughs> throwing the it in a life. cage after. Yes. It. Cut. Put that beast away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it, maybe it did start the conversation in the, in the industry and mm-hmm. change something. I don't know. Maybe well, this the story
1: that's in here, too, the Haywoods being um, a black owned ranch. Um, the story, first of all, the story of like the first motion picture being a two second clip of a black man riding a horse like jordan peele has talked about the erasure of black cowboys and hollywood's reinterpretation of the wild west yeah. so adding this element and creating this movie about the haywood family is a great way to bring that representation back into the cowboy and ranch culture because i've seen yeah. i've i've grown up uh, a part of my life w- was a uh, On a ranch, (laughs) like went through my dad's family and my grandpa on that side, and so like I've seen a few black cowboys on my time around my grandpa's ranch.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah, they're there. I don't think they, I don't think they don't exist. That means no, they're there. That's sort of silly to think.
1: Yeah, but you know Hollywood likes to erase people of color out of everything, so we're bringing that back, and I think that yeah is fair. And I
0: think that that's sort of like one of the things about this movie that make it so so great is Mm -hmm. that it. It sort of reinserts itself into the Western genre, you know, in a yeah. way that's like having a, a predominantly black cast and having a black creative team and everything. Yeah, like to to almost take their interpretation of what it what it is to make a Western film is, um, I think it's a commentary in its own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what makes it even more exciting is that it's a Jordan <laughs> Peele film, so it's then adding that element of cowboys versus <laughs> yeah. aliens, which is really exciting. <laughs> sure. But yeah, s- absolutely. Speaking of spectacles, we're on set of this commercial Miss Bonnie comes out making a spectacle of herself. Um, she, <laughs> and it honestly it feeds into one of was the, Chris and Chenoweth. the ongoing <laughs> themes but um, it's interesting what she represents because there's this idea in the movie of what Hollywood does to you and for Miss Bonnie based on the applause she receives uh, by the little crew they have for this commercial yeah. like obviously she probably was a star in her prime and now she's sure. like a has-been doing commercials so she's been <laughs> chewed up and spit out by the Hollywood system and I, that's kind of what I was getting after like, you know, you realize what the movie's about and all the things that feed into it. I'm like, oh, Miss Bonnie for sure. She's like this old, oh, dried true. up star. You know what?
0: I, I never even really thought to involve her in the conversation. But
1: I guess <laughs> she's not in my notes. You're like, hey, who?
0: Miss <laughs> Bonnie. No I, no, I think that you hit something true because she's like an, a white lady. Right. She's still sort of met with a certain level of like respect. Respect and sweat. Yeah. Applause. Which is maybe not something that somebody like Jupe has experienced since... Right. uh,
1: His time is over.
0: Right. Exactly. The character of color is like having to hustle so hard. And it seems like even though she's kind of a washed up older actress, she's still having these opportunities.
1: Yeah. Because she's a a white hag. No (laughs) shame. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) So we're introduced to our characters here, our very vital characters. O.J., his name alone is just feeding into the exploitation uh, uh, spectacle narrative. Because sure, OJ Simpson obviously is the first thing you think of when you hear OJ or orange juice, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna go with OJ Simpson. Um, but the whole OJ debacle was quite the spectacle, so this is a clever nickname, yeah, to use for one of the characters in this movie. Um, and I think Daniel Kaluuya is just so adorable in this movie, like as this quiet, shy, like he seems to avoid eye contact, yeah. yeah. I, I thought he was so like cute in this movie, I was like his little mannerisms and like, especially in this opening scene, I'm like, you're so cute and adorable.
0: Yeah. It's like, he's hardworking and he loves the horses and he loves the business. And, and, you know, you could tell that, you know, the loss of his father has, uh, has really shaken him up and, and he's doing his best to keep the family business running. Like, this is what he cares about while he's not maybe very, you know, extroverted about it, you know, he's doing his best to keep it together. And, you know keep keep the legacy going because it is important
1: yes but luckily he has a sister miss emerald to to kind of help with that extroverted side of things because yes M, being this charismatic multi-hyphenate is the perfect role for miss kiki because that is what oh. who she is I love Miss she Kiki. She's a showstopper.
0: <laughs> she is a she's showstopper. The definition of charisma.
1: She is. She's an entertainer. She's a multi-hyphenate herself. So it was great to see her bring a lot of herself into the character of M. And M. M. Yeah. Is, it's nice because she's a dyke. So we have some uh, <laughs> queer. We have some queer representation yeah. in here.
0: <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah. I, I I'll gladly have her represent for us. Sure, why not? I love Kiki.
1: Yes, I love Kiki. You know, she was on Legendary Season 2. Like, or th- 3. Okay. Yeah, so she's... 3. Yeah, she's for the queer community. and She's and part I of the that. fam. Yeah, yeah, she's... She's
0: an ally.
1: Well, and also she's, like, this glamorous, like, female entertainer. So, obviously... She's um, working her way to be one of the legendary icons of our community. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: she's so funny. Yes, yes, yes. She's great,
0: and she's a hustler, baby. She does it all. Her oh, character. she
1: rides motorcycles. Yeah. She's letting you know that yeah. <laughs> she does it all. She's like whatever you need stunt double, craft services. Like I have you covered. I got it. She's hustling, you know, and
0: the, and, the, and and that sort of brings on the dynamic between OJ and M because they mm-hmm. both care but they exist on opposite ends where it's yeah. like OJ this is his main gig this is what he, he's passionate about and cares about is the horses and for her it's her side gig she has all these other things going on and she could sort of I don't say care less but I mean it's not her priority um, Yeah, and she's sort of removed herself from caring about the family business. And so they that's where their sort of tension kind of comes in.
1: And we'll talk about it later, whereas like, there their differences in it, but it's like the family business has done two different things. It's made uh, OJ care about the horses, and it's made um, Emerald care about the fame. So there's kind of, or yeah. like the notoriety. So there's kind of these, these two different forces working here. And then the worlds collide with um, the character of Jupe when they go to sell Lucky because unfortunately they were unlucky and get landing that commercial. (laughs) So they they sell lucky to jupe and we meet jupe. Okay. What do you think about jupe? I have my opinions.
0: The character of Jupe. Um I mean I think he's really fascinating. I think that he's like a character that's like full of repressed memories. Mm -hmm. Or or uh, or haunted. Yeah. Yeah, or has like Kind of in a way compartmentalized his trauma in a very strange way, and yeah. I kind of find that fascinating about his character. That's an interesting way to look like, at it, because I think he is like really obsessed with what happened to him. Like, I mean, obviously he yeah. cares on the memorabilia. Gordy's home is like it, like he has a secret room in there full of memorabilia, and he's kind of turned it this trauma that he's had. Into um, a profitable endeavor, a, yes, a profitable endeavor. Yeah. Yes, he, he's capitalizing on it. Right, he's capitalizing on the spectacle of of what yes. happened in on that fateful day where this chimpanzee went crazy and killed people yeah. on the side of the show.
1: Yes, because a lot of people do that. They exploit certain situations to like involve themselves in it, like. Okay, there, oh my God, my heart breaks for the couple that was attacked in your neck of the woods. Yes, um, yes outside of the club, the and Long a lot Beach. of the comments, like under like the post where they were talking about it, were like happened two doors down for me. Oh my God, like this is in my Oh my God, my dude, that is so. I, I literally
0: said that. Yeah, well, but I mean, I said that. that's so serious that.
1: because it's your community, and like people are walking out of your restaurant. It could have easily right. been them. Um,
0: exactly. I literally was at work and. This tragedy happened uh, two bars down from us. Where like sirens are in front of you, yeah. Yes, exactly. And and my first instinct was to make it about me and be like, I was two doors down when this happened. <laughs> yeah, like, but you think so, but about those real. things. But yeah. some people
1: keep it going. Like you're putting it oh, into perspective sure. because you're a gay man, literally working yeah. two doors down. It could have easily been you or or someone yes, you know. Absolutely, but of course, there are like people like that are not. You know, at risk. Sure. They weren't there. They weren't at work. Yeah. They weren't on the course, street. Of course. They're like, I live, like, very close to Long Beach so this really hits home for me. <laughs> you know? Right. So it's like, that's exactly. not your experience, though. But
0: your point is definitely valid. It's like, people yes. have this way of making things about them. And I do think that he kind of does that in this situation where he he's like, take it... I, we're kind of, I don't want to say jumping head a little bit, but I mean, this... That moment that happened to him on this set has made him feel like he has otherworldly connection, maybe with mm-hmm. the more wild, you know, creatures in our world. Right? And, um, it's sort. It's sort of given him a self, a sense of self importance in this situation.
1: Yes, that's a yes. Okay, I do like the character. I, I like yeah. all those things that you mentioned. What I don't like. Okay, Stephen Yuen is, or I hope that's how you say his name. Y- Yuen is very handsome. But and charismatic, but I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like this role could have been so much more. Like, I feel like he could have really taken this character over the top.
0: No, sure, of course. Yes, it, it definitely could have been over the top. Like, in my mind, I see, like, Jack Nicholson in Mars Attacks as, like...
1: Yeah! Like... He's sort of, like, the rep- the human representation of the spectacle narrative here. Like, from his flashy costumes yeah. to his theme park that's, like, heavily influenced by his role in Kid mm-hmm. Sheriff that launched him to fame. Like, he's exploiting what he once was, what he had, what made him famous, and right. capitalizing on well, it.
0: Sure. But, but also, it, it's you have to think about it, too, is that he was, like, a, the young... Asian boy in this cast of white people. Right. And his involvement in the show, like his character on Gordy's home, what we saw from the the few lines that we see before the attack happens is that his character is kind of the butt of the joke, right? And Mm. he's like the setup for the punchline and I think that that is like the starting point to where um, actors of color start and then they get pushed out of the industry you know you see, with see like you know like a, a Gary Coleman I don't know you know like so these yeah, like, it's, characters it's, that exist on these sitcoms that were just there to be funny but then we're not given the opportunities to sort of ex- transition you know, into to, something more serious yeah, transition into yeah mainstream whatever and so he's now had to like hustle and create this you know buy this theme park yeah. and, and and use his trauma in order to I don't know be somebody to be remembered for who he was.
1: Yeah. But I feel like he's not trying hard to convey sure. that.
0: I, I mean... Sure. Okay. Your problem's with the performance.
1: My problem is with the delivery and the performance. Okay. Like, I, yeah, I do... Yeah. I Like I said, I love all those aspects of the character. I love what the character's become. Yeah. I love the whole backstory. But I just feel like he's kind of boring in this role. Like, I don't know. Sure. Like, he, and he's the first person to use the word spectacle. So he's giving us the narrative. He is the narrative. And... I don't know. I just feel like he's playing it so subtle that I feel like it could It could have translated more had he had like Kiki's energy when he's performing, and then when he goes into the dark place of like reliving what happened yeah. with Gordy, that it really could have been a, a contrast between these moods that he's sure. experiencing. Like the, there's the okay. facade, just like his theme park is a facade, and yeah, there's that. But then there's also the private room of Gordy memorabilia, you know, that exists within him also. And I don't think he played with that. Like, it was just sure. like, I think I'm, yeah, I'm subtle and, and kind of quiet. And I'm like, that's, I didn't work for me.
0: Sure. Oh, that's, that's mm-hmm. absolutely fair. What did you think of the, the SNL monologue?
1: Okay. I did love that. I loved uh, some of his line deliveries and that, where he's like, it's fucking great. Like, it's great. You know, like, but it's yeah. interesting that he's recalling the attack through the SNL skit. Like, yes. it makes it easier to talk about it that way because it is funny.
0: Yeah, he's compartmentalized it to have, like, the the experience actually existed as that instead of, like, how it actually happened. Yes. Like, it's
1: easier to deal with it if it's funny. If it's the comedic version on SNL. Um, but it also kind of feels like this whole Gordy situation feels like Jordan Peele creating a Mandela effect like in our brains because sure. there's so much about it that's based in reality because he talks about Chris Kattan playing Gordy on S- on the SNL skit and in real right. life Chris Kattan did play a human monkey on SNL yes
0: I knew it yeah. I knew it and I was like is this real I was he, like literally
1: I- it's like the Mandela effect like wait this is real he did yeah. do that So you're like, wait, did this actually happen? And then also like jumping ahead here, Miss Mary Jo, like when she shows up later, her appearance is very much like Charla Nash, the lady who was um, mauled by her friend's pet chimpanzee who also happened to be a a monkey actor named Travis and she had like an interview with Oprah and she showed up in this like big hat with the veil in front of it so like there are these like images stained in our brains from that that era that are like being repeated here on and you're like
0: wait is this did this actually happen? I mean obviously he was very inspired by these by these real things, but yeah, that is interesting how he he created that moment of I because I do remember sitting there watching, going like, I've seen Chris Kattan play a, a, monkey. a monkey before. I was like, is this real? Is this based on the an, the SNL skit?
1: He kind of looks like one.
0: <laughs> yeah. okay. I do
1: too. Like if I, <laughs> I do too. Um, oh like if I make a monkey's face, it, it's like. Gordy is home, Gordy's home. <laughs> Yeah, but like I was thinking like in 20 years from now when we for- start to forget about this movie even <laughs> we'll be yeah. like remember Charlie Nash she was like the lady who was attacked by a chimpanzee the actor the na- his name was Gordy and like she was interviewed by Oprah and all them, <laughs> and like they put her in a Jordan Peele movie remember and they reenacted it on <laughs> SNL
0: <laughs> yes that's exactly how we're gonna remember this
1: yeah when we're old in the, in the fucking uh, talking old people home still talking about nope <laughs> yeah, uh, reliving our glory days of being a theater oh, yeah, talking career. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, doing a binge <laughs> of our podcast.
1: Yeah, as uh, we do our 40th anniversary special on Shutter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. All right, well, shall we keep going? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Back at the ranch, Em recalls the time their father promised her she would train her first horse, a horse named Jean Jacket. However, she never got to train Gene Jacket because he ended up being used for the Scorpion King movie. So Otis Sr. and O.J. took over the training, shutting M out of the family's legacy. The production ended up replacing the horses with camels anyway. M looks out the window during her story notices that another horse named Ghost has mysteriously ended up in the arena. Starting from this point, the film is divided into chapters, each title referring to the animals in the film. Title card, Ghost. OJ walks to the arena to fetch Ghost. He notices the noise and lights from Jupiter's claim in the distance. The theme park's lights and sound dim slowly turning off as Ghost flees the arena, attempting to escape the ranch. The other horses on the ranch become uneasy. Suddenly, the electricity of the Haywoods home dims out, turning off for a few seconds. At this moment, OJ sees a UFO in the sky, with a gust of wind causing a tornado of dust that sweeps Ghost upwards towards the object. O.J. describes the sighting to M and the two decide to cash in on the opportunity to catch the Oprah shot, a shot so impressive that Oprah would cover it. They buy several cameras the next day at Fry's Electronics. They hope to capture the flying saucer on camera and reap the rewards of selling the footage. They prove to be in over their heads as a Fry's employee named Angel, played by Brandon Perea, I'm blushing, I'm b- caveling, <laughs> explains to them how they'll need to set up the cameras. Angel becomes excited by where they live, theorizing that the Haywoods might be in a UFO hotspot. He offers to help them set up their equipment and they reluctantly accept his offer, not wanting him in on their financial opportunity. Back at the ranch, Angel describes his perspective on aliens while installing their equipment, introducing them to the term UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. M leaves momentarily and returns with a stolen display horse from Jupiter's claim, intending to use it as bait. As they set up the bait, Jupe arrives at the ranch, noticing the display horse. He attempts to invite the Haywoods to a special star lasso event, but as he extends the event's flyer, the invite is taken by the wind. Okay,
1: so Em talks about this backstory where she was supposed to train jean jacket until he was picked to be on the Scorpion King, which, I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs>
0: <laughs> What a specific movie to think of! <laughs>
1: I wonder why they chose that one, and then they were like, they know. were replaced by camels eventually. I'm like, well, they probably went with camels in the first place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I don't think they had horses in in. Don't they have Egypt. horses in the Mummy? They have horses in the Mummy, but they are brought by the Americans.
1: Isn't and like um the gorgeous the one with the long hair? Isn't he riding
0: a horse? Or am I tripping? Oh, you're talking about? um, Yes, maybe they do. Maybe he does ride horse. A black? Is it a black horse or is it a camel? They're I horses. I think it's a
1: black horse.
0: They do come in on horses.
1: I don't right. know. Yeah. Who cares?
0: Who <laughs> Scorpion cares? <King>. Whatever. <laughs> Camels are just better in the desert, apparently, because they retain water better. They don't. Maybe they were tiger. like, what movie
1: would have incorporated horses around the
0: time that she was 11? Yeah. You know? Okay, or 2001. No. Yeah, what is like a horse movie that came out? <laughs> <laughs> but this brings her character
1: together somewhat because she feels left out of the family legacy. She kind of seems like she's like a nomad. Like she's here and there. She's always in between places. So yeah. it's her trying to find... Her own path in the fame freeway. Like she was talking about it in therapy. So obviously it's a really big deal, but also can you imagine <laughs> that conversation in therapy? She's like, Daddy bought me
0: a horse, but he didn't let me train it. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> mad. It's kind of spoiled. spoiled. <laughs> I want my little pony. Yeah. She, yeah. uh, I know it's kind of funny. Yeah. It, it, but I mean, in Trauma their world. Trauma is different that's, for everyone, I guess. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's a big, that's deal, a big deal. probably in their world. You know, Haywood's Hollywood horses. That seems pretty pretty traumatic, I guess, to not be given the opportunity to raise a horse on Mm -hmm. your own. Like That seems like a rite of passage in a way that she was not afforded.
1: Yeah. Something else they talk about in this exchange between M and OJ is this idea of bad miracles, which is how Hmm. OJ describes his father's death. And in a lot of breakdowns for this movie, a lot of people highlight this term. But I found it hard to follow that idea because a lot of reviews are like, pointing it out as otis senior's freak accident is being referred to as a bad miracle and then but that was caused by the alien and then they link it to like well the people that have broken this movie down have linked it to the the shoe uh, shoe standing up completely upright and i'm like but that was like a happenstance so i don't know that i like this being an idea of bad miracles like being like some sort of narrative for this because i don't think that's where the story is and they're all pretty
0: explainable right like we've explained that yeah, I mean the shoe is not really explained And it's never really explained and, I, and I've also had to like Google deep dive like what is the meaning Of the shoe and a lot of people Are saying that it's like maybe It is the bad miracle sort of thing Or I've read a lot about The shoe sort of being a A red herring He saw it and he took it as a sign Okay Even though it means nothing and he's placed value Into, into this shoe. Because mm-hmm. he's put it on display something. in that position also. Yeah, ex- so it's exactly. Like, okay. I've heard it linked to the bad miracle thing too. Yeah, I was like, what? Okay. Yeah, we have this moment where we, we get our first kind of taste of of what's happening as far as like this alien creature <laughs> yeah the terror right and uh, yeah. it's like kind of flying through the sky and then after it happens and, and ghost is taken they have the conversation with the bad miracle and i will say that i do think it's really interesting that she she buys into it very quickly she's like yes it's not what you you know what i think you're saying right and he's all yeah and she's all okay great she believes it
1: That's something I've noticed throughout this movie. Like, everyone gives into this idea very quickly. There's never uh, not a thought. But I think it speaks volumes to where we are in our existence. Like, where we have everything available to us, every piece of knowledge. The government has somewhat said that there is some existence of aerial phenomena that they still can't explain. There's obviously been proof of unidentified flying objects. So it's kind of like this uh, curiosity of... Like what else is out there? And our minds ca- si- kind of seem to be expanding around this idea of like aliens and astrology and the universe and how small we are and this big galactic, you know, force. But, sure,
0: like we're no longer the center of the universe. So like maybe this generation has decided that. Do you know what? If you say you like see I UFO, believe it, then I believe it.
1: <laughs> well, sometimes I hear the most crazy things like conspiracy theories and i'm like yeah i believe it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I miss keek miss m world in this situation where i'm like let's capitalize on this opportunity um <laughs> i know but
0: that's but that's where her mind goes first that's to hustle and let's make some money yeah. and uh which is such an interesting thing like you think in like a classic sci-fi film if somebody suspected like legitimately suspected that like an alien was coming was on on our planet yeah. or something it would be like freak out how do we destroy it how do we kill it what does it want and that right is be Mars, the their mind goes first <laughs> yeah exactly yeah instead it's literally like well now it's my job to prove that this exists to make money and how can i i'm gonna capitalize off of the spectacle of a ufo being mm-hmm. real in our world yeah
1: Okay, let's not breeze past this ghost a sequence because I think Jordan Peele directed the hell out of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, this ghost sequence. He maintains the mystery, but shows us just enough to freak us out. Like the terror scenes are kind of scattered throughout, which I appreciate because it never gets boring. Yeah. We don't have to sit through silence until the climax of the film, which I feel like yeah. a lot of movies that are intellectual try to do that. Um, sure. But we're watching this from OJ's perspective. So we're not voyeurs watching over the scene so we can't really see what's happening but we're in it so we're watching this happen in the distance we're watching it happen through um the walls in the shed that oj takes cover in
0: yeah it's very yeah pov which is really exciting because it keeps us it almost feels like a jaws type sequence where it's like that we know the creatures there but we can't see it because it's the cloud cover it's night it's there's all these contributing factors why we can't see it but we know the danger is there and it's when is it gonna when are we gonna see it when are we gonna see a glimpse of it um, Yeah, how fast does it move and we're, we're sort of gathering all the information as we're watching this scene
1: and it's cool because they're kind of using Daniel Kahlia's eyes which are a character on their own in this movie and yeah. um, sound to sort of tell us what's happening and relying yeah. on that alone is like scary. So I yeah. think that this uh, sequence is pretty chilling without being, well, you know, overtly horrific.
0: You know what? I had a lot of people tell me that they didn't find the movie scary and that they were disappointed with that. What do you What do you say to those people? <laughs> I think that people are expecting...
1: Well, also, we can't expect everybody to be a fear of the talking queer or a homie of horror or you know, <laughs> us yeah, intellectuals yeah. Um, that break down <laughs> horror films. But um, <laughs> I think what... I think people are trained to think that a movie like Annabelle is scary. So like sure. when a movie like this comes out yeah. where it actually makes you think so that things like, you know, are things like this are scary, it's yeah. not enough for the average
0: of course
1: Chimpanzee going to the theater You know <laughs> Like you the have to be going. You have to put yeah. your thinking cap on And that right. makes it scary When you're actually like involved And not just right. expecting something to jump out And scare you
0: for Right exactly I mean there's so much to take in in this sequence That is actually pretty terrifying But I feel like maybe as like a A surface level <laughs> viewer of this movie That you're you're not It's not the kind of scary that you were hoping for
1: yeah, and there's more storytelling than there is horror elements, sure. which I still appreciate. Because yeah, me then too. the alien sighting, like you're saying, this after talk about capitalizing on this opportunity, this alien sighting brings on a new layer for these characters. We've met exploitation, we've met spe- the spectacles. So now it's bringing on this layer of opportunity where we discover all of our characters are opportunistic, which OJ yeah. is looking for the opportunity to keep the ranch and buy back the horses and continue the legacy. Emma's looking yeah. for her own come up. And then we meet Angel, who is looking for a connection and meeting meaning Aww. in the mundane day-to-day.
0: Yes, that is true. Yeah, because he's like, you know, your average everyday probably minimum wage electronics store worker, you know, but he seems to have this extensive knowledge of some of conveniently in yeah, this moment that of they need. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> yeah, but it also seems like he's just lost his girlfriend. Not lost, but like ended things with his girlfriend of four years and he's, like, looking for human connection, too.
1: Because she got a CW show. I thought that was really funny.
0: (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. So he's kind of looking to capitalize on this for, I think, human connection. I think he wants friends.
1: He wants friends. He wants connection. Uh, But also, before we jump into, like, more about this character, he works at Fry's Electronics, which is not a store anymore.
0: (laughs) Oh, are they out of business?
1: I think they're out of business, but the storefronts used to be, like, themed and so theirs was an alien one but sometimes they were like Aztec temples and like you know like which is so like odd to have that be like themed but yeah UFO Best Buy made it and Fry's Electronics is ditched but it's funny (laughs) because this movie sort of incites research like was Gordy real? And, like, yeah. who is Mary Jo Elliott? And is Fry's Electronics still open?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the real hard-hitting questions this movie brings up. And does Brandon Perea work
1: there? Because he is smoking hot. He is our new- he's our new boyfriend. He's our new boyfriend because he reminds me of, like, Boy Next Door, like, High School Crush Hot. Like, Yes. He's not the typical Hollywood heartthrob. He's, like, more than that. Like, I connected yeah, he, to him through this movie, like, spiritually.
0: <laughs> yeah he was like that one guy in high school who were like god he's so hot and like so effortlessly cool
1: yeah and almost like they grow up and they become gender fluid or not gender fluid but oh, like sure. um, sexually yeah, like, fluid <laughs> you know they don't have any boundaries <laughs> well maybe
0: gender fluid. for I gender, like gender fluid fluid does energy, have like yeah. one or two black painted fingernails yeah and you're like whoa that's
1: hot there was a boy like that at my high school
0: he was like a hot like a hot skater that's like what I think of him as Yeah, there was
1: a boy like that in my high school, and I can't remember, like, what his name was, but I remember he came up to me, and he was like, whoa, if I was gay, I would totally date you. And Uh now looking back at how ugly I was, I was like, maybe he's telling a joke, but, well, let's be honest, I was never ugly, but I just was not in my prime (laughs) then. (laughs) (laughs) But he gives that essence. (laughs) Yeah, he's very hot. His hair is... Not very hot. It looks dirty, but I'm I'm
0: into it. I know
1: it's fine. He plays the role of Angel with charm and adorable essence, and the character itself is is quite the angel. Like he's able to consistently offer assistance, and he even gives him a place to stay when shit gets sticky. So I'd love to have a friend like Angel, especially if he looked like
0: Brandon. I know, I know. (laughs) I'm like, where's the outrage from the nerd community that they can't even cast actual nerdy looking people to play them anymore? (laughs) because no these days everyone's hot yeah exactly yeah yeah, hot guys can even play nerds now
1: yeah this is like a shallow howl experience where like this is who this person (laughs) is but actually if you really got a good look at him (laughs) (laughs) um evan peters yeah Um, But Angel also introduces this idea that um, the term UFO has been replaced with UAP. Um, And this is some exciting territory that they're bringing into this conversation because, like, this brings on the topic of conspiracies, ideas, government cover ups. Like, aliens are out there and the government knows it. But they don't want us to know about it and why? Because it would cause a panic or a war, or because right. maybe they have a treaty with the aliens where they keep peace just to borrow technological advancements. Oh my God, see, like, you this never is kind of, know. This is
0: the stuff that scares me. This is why I'm scared of aliens. I don't want to know <laughs> that stuff. That's why I don't watch things like ancient aliens. Do you watch things? Have you, you watched these no. like shows? I've I never can't watched take them. it seriously. Right, because they sound like fucking fake, but, all, but are they? they? <laughs> I'm but scared. You
1: never know. I know. You don't know that because, like, people do like acid and stuff, and they go in the desert and they're like, and I saw beings and saucers, and I'm like, was it the
0: high or was it real? (laughs) It brings up a lot of like the the UFO culture of you know. I'm sure there's so many people that actually that legitimately feel like there is something here already
1: i have an uncle who is obsessed with aliens and he had like a shrine like mm. in this like he had like a sort of like a man cave like it was separate from the living room and it was kind of just uh, where he had this like tv uh, entertainment center and everything area 51 memorabilia like uh, alien oh stuffed God. animals like he was into and he know- he knows they're out there and he's not denying it so Period. There's that. But I love (laughs) love this idea of aliens being the next thing we can exploit. Like, we're seeing the exploitation of animals, of humans, of property. So naturally, the next target for global consumers would be aliens.
0: That's true. It's like, who else do we have left to exploit?
1: Yeah. And the aliens, maybe that's why they're telling the government, you know, keep us on the low. Because... We've yeah. seen what, ha- what you guys did to Brittany, and I don't want that for myself. Or Maybe my- they're
0: like offended by our portrayal of them in Hollywood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's Scary Movie 3. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. Where they pee out their fingers.
1: They're like, that was the most accurate depiction. We're just here to party. Yes,
0: yes exactly. <laughs>
1: okay, wait. Before we leave this section we okay you know we here at fear the talking queers love subtle line deliveries that catch our attention so which one i love this moment and you 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 might not connect to this because you might not know the reference but i love this moment of kiki stealing the fake horse and jupe coming and noticing he's like oh yeah oh we have one just like that and she's like oh yeah and then um after (laughs) he invites them to the star lasso experience he's like yeah so you guys just come down and it starts around this time and she's like Okay. <laughs> and, okay. And I noticed this, and then I saw someone say it online. So I'm like, okay, I was not alone in pointing this out. So if you're a fan of the movie Friday, starring Chris Tucker and, and Ice Cube, oh my Cube, god, um, you'll recognize what it her, as an. Is her
0: character based on Chris Tucker or my? No,
1: it's crazy? not because it's actually a different character. So <laughs> the the character is Mrs. Jones, and the actress is Anna Maria Horsford, and she gives she has this trampy neighbor across the way that she's like, Mm-mm, I do not associate with her, and she's like. Hey, Miss Jones. She's like, hey, girl. And she's like, "Um, call me when you get home. And she's like, okay. And (laughs) Kiki Palmer delivers the line just like that. Every time I watch Friday, I laugh at that line. And now I have nope to have that line and laugh at it as well.
0: Look at that. Wow. That's probably a subtle reference that only you would know.
1: (laughs) Me and Miss Kiki Palmer, and everybody else that's watched Friday and knows that movie, Uh, like the back of their hand. I love it.
0: (laughs) Five stars, Frankie.
1: Five stars. You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) Just some cinema knowledge. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. Yeah. Title card, Clover. M and OJ are ready as the cameras and the decoy horse are set up. OJ notices that another horse named Clover is out. He goes out in search of Clover and enters the stalls. He looks around and suddenly notices a weird figure peeking out from behind a wall. It lowers itself down and reveals itself to be some sort of alien-like creature. Another creature comes from behind OJ. He punches it in the face, only to find out it's a child.
0: <laughs> Ew, I want to punch it again. Scarier the <laughs>
1: alien's children.
0: <laughs> Ew, I hate children.
1: The aliens are revealed to be jupe's children, taunting him for stealing their display horse. I love when Miss Kiki comes out and she's like... Yeah. Oh, you want to fuck with the Haywoods? It's on. <laughs> like she's ready. <laughs> they pranking Haywood. <laughs> yeah. Like no, remember he stole from them. She's like, oh. <laughs> OJ continues his search for Clover, but the UFO arrives and sucks up the decoy horse, which seems to get stuck. Clover continues to run wildly. Angel secretly watching their camera footage at Fries calls and tells M that the UFO is in the clouds, and M shouts to- at OJ to run. OJ manages to hide safely, but witnesses Clover getting sucked up into the object. They fail to get the footage they need as a praying mantis had blocked the view of a camera that stayed online, unaffected by the object. The next day, Angel arrives at the ranch again, explaining that he reviewed their footage and found a cloud in the sky that never moves, which might be the UFO's hiding place. M contacts the cinematographer, Antlers Holst, who is known for capturing amazing wildlife footage. She tries to convince him to join their plan, but he declines, claiming that they'd never wake up from the dream of being famous.
0: Ah, uh, how oh deep! Oh my God! Wow! Thank <laughs> you so much for the advice. Brava,
1: Yeah, like that's like when you're ultra famous. Like you know, it was never the fame for me or the fortune. I was the artist. Oh, oh, shut up! Like, oh, kiss yeah. my ass! Yeah, look. I never asshole. did it for
0: the money, and then they're like living in like an eleven million dollar mansion. Yeah. <laughs> then
1: they're on cribs. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's not about the money for me. Yeah. Sorry, can you grab my Birkin?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. (laughs) Title card, Gordy. (laughs) We flash back to 1998. Young Jupe, played by Jacob Kim, and his fellow actors shoot an episode for the sitcom Gordy's Home, in which they celebrate Gordy's birthday. During the scene, balloons are released in the room to surprise Gordy. The balloons start popping, shocking the chimp playing Gordy, and he starts to go wild and attack the cast as the crew and audience flee the scene. Jupe hides under a table where he keeps his eyes on the blood-stained sneaker we saw on display earlier. Jupe watches in terror as his fellow co-stars Mary Joe Elliott and Tom Bogan, widely known on the NBC primetime scene, um, are brutally attacked by the chimp. A silence falls over the set as the chimp notices Jupe hiding and approaches him. The chimp reaches out his fist to do the duo's iconic fist bump, but before their fists can touch, the chimp the chimp the
0: chimp the chimp is. <laughs> the chimp is shot dead. The champagne
1: is burnt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the chimp is shot dead. Back in the present, we see that Jupe is having this flashback as he and his wife prepare for the Star Lasso event.
0: Ooh, oh right. my god! So we have a couple of really great sequences here in this section. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So the clover, the clover moment, right? I think that. Go clovers, go, go clovers, clovers, go, go, go clovers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the sequence is really good, but it also kind of—I I thought I knew where the movie was going at this point when I first watched it, and I'm going to explain yeah. to you. If, I'm going to ask if you felt similarly, but maybe this okay. is just me. So this whole like praying mantis thing, I thought at this point because you know I was like so I was like okay what is the what is the commentary on this film while I'm watching it? And um, I I was like, okay, maybe this is, maybe, I was like, maybe the alien isn't eating these horses. Maybe it's like saving them. And I thought that maybe it was going to be like all the animals are like are in it like the praying mantis was like <laughs> commanded by yeah. the or, or was like in cahoots with the alien to cover the, the lens of the camera. I thought it, I thought this was like about like saving totally. animals at first and that the animals were like, you know, fighting back or like being set free and that the animals like the praying mantis were, were helping, helping the escape. by, yeah, helping me escape that's what I thought I was like oh I was like that's an interesting way but then that turned out to be not at all what this is about but that's what I was getting from this sequence I was like okay yeah like the praying mantises are in, in on it the go- the horses are actually being saved from captivity I was like okay great PETA loves this so my question for that is were you high <laughs> well absolutely of
1: course but, I mean that's a,
0: that's not like I, the I worst think that's a
1: legit like- no I think that you were searching for meaning um and i i don't think that's a bad concept at all i don't know where it would have gone it would be interesting to see how that would have came together yeah
0: but never not once did i think that was what it was about maybe like one of them could have been abducted on accident and then come to find out inside the alien was like this beautiful animal utopia where there are no humans And they're all living free and running wild.
1: (laughs) It's a sanctuary. It's actually not an alien. It's a drone used by an animal sanctuary (laughs) to (laughs) abduct animals and take them to safety.
0: (laughs) I think that sounds fantastic. I don't know about you.
1: Can you imagine the upset? Okay, uh, Okay, but then we get this really... The, well, first of all, praying mantises are scary, and making it a jump scare was completely appropriate because they also look like aliens and they're scary.
0: One time, one was in my house, and I used to have like no. a, like a, lo- a long window next to my front door. This, I was like a, I was like a kid, and, yeah, uh, not a kid. I was probably like a teenager, and I was so scared that the praying mantis was on the blinds mm. on that little side window next to the front door that I literally wrapped myself head to toe in a hoodie and gloves and boots and everything, and like I th- had to get it out with a broom but I did not want it touching or attacking me and so I was literally the only part of my face that was exposed were Your like eyes. my eyes <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. well you were prepared for an attack because apparently yeah. all it takes to be attacked by an animal is eye contact um, <laughs> 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 yeah. which, also, which honestly is true because I remember being little and like my family always had like pit bulls and they were always like pregnant with pit bulls and stuff and I remember one of the like rules they told me was to never look at the dogs directly in the eyes
0: Right well I think it's it's it. Some of them like certain breeds Like find that to be a challenge And then they attack you I know I for my little
1: it chiweenie it incites um, what it, I
0: don't Anxiety hear about that. La, 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 la. Oh your dog, <laughs> your dog. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know for my weenie Like making eye contact with it, it really gets it going yeah. Um one eye okay. monster yeah, the purple people eater um, the uh, the alien stall scene was so spooky in theaters like the audience was on edge oh yes because this is what people thought they'd come for yes and Jordan Peele again directing the hell out of this because it's so subtle it's the way he has the actors like on the ground still and like peeking from behind walls like it is so creepy and that yeah. to me is a true Scary, like you know, yeah. it's not the jump scares that, for me. It's not the cheap yeah. shit. It's stuff like this where it builds tension. The suspension. Like, ah, oh yeah. my god! But it's
0: something peeking at me from behind a wall in the dark. And I think every person who watched it was like, "That was the scariest part of the movie." Well, it's like, okay, yeah, because it was like playing into that into your preconceived notions of what you wanted this movie to be. And it's yeah. really successful. And it is very scary. Um, it's and it's so creepy. Significant. This is where we yeah. get our
1: movie title the OJ nope. looks I like, nope yeah. mm-hmm. which I, we were saying was going to be riddled throughout but it's only used twice yes. I think
0: <laughs> I was kind of imagining I was like what if we had if he had like stayed with this concept like would we have been satisfied if the aliens actually looked like that these like they kind of look like aliens but also kind of look like monkeys monkeys yeah and
1: which is uh, funny because the costume looks like a monkey and then the mask looks like the Panavision cameras and the Gordy scenes yes so, yes, like, yes, that's yes, yes, such yes. an amazing choice on Jordan Peele's end to have, like, Jupe's concept of the alien be a reflection of this traumatizing the, event of, in his life. Yeah, of
0: the Gordy attack. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, he, he, he has even passed it along to his children. And, you know, yeah. almost as if it's, like, a legacy thing to be proud of. The kids b- putting on the masks and scaring
1: them is... It's great, but I was nervous for the child that was punched. He looked <laughs> frightened. <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah, I mean, he just got punched. And By a man. A grown man. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Kick
1: him in the ribs. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, comes out and they just start jumping the
0: kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sh- that's definitely how that sh- scene should have played out.
1: Okay, so Angel is watching over the Haywoods. And from behind him comes Miss Barbie Ferreira Ms. as Barbie. Nessie. She's not in the synopsis because it was so insignificant.
0: But she gets her own, like, personal little title card in, during the credits.
1: Uh, oh, I know, because I think she's supposed to be... Uh, okay, so we know and love Barbie Ferreira as Cat in Euphoria. So yeah. watching the final edit, you're like, why is she in this? Like, she doesn't add anything to the story except product placement with her smacking on them hot Cheetos. So, like, <laughs> she, and she's such a talent, and so... Allegedly, we have some inside tea from the fan of the pod. Fan of the
0: pod.
1: Who's very dear to us, honestly. We won't reveal the identity of said fan. Um, Yeah. Right? So, okay. So Angel and Nessie apparently had more scenes together. And Angel was supposed to die. But before he dies, he has this scene with Nessie telling her romantically that he may not make it. Um, but they had Angel survive, so I guess in turn that whole subplot was unnecessary, scrapped. so it was completely yeah. scrapped. Um, but having a name like this, who, which, like, all of these Euphoria actors are so up and coming at this point that it, we almost expect more than this. Yeah. So it felt like she was supposed to be in it more.
0: Yeah, I was like, why Especially, is she-
1: like, Barbie Ferreira joins the cast, it's like, but... As what? As- so did Michael Wincott. Nobody said anything about that. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> It, it, I don't it know. is a very thankless role. It just, I mean, she doesn't really contribute anything in this final edit of it. But I do love no. seeing her. So, you know.
1: Yeah. I thought she did great with what she got.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: I mean, while I'm sure she
0: did amazing throughout, but with what they left in, she was still fine. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if they decided to, I wonder if there was like a screening or something. Or were they They're like boo didn't like, Yeah they did like <laughs> They her. him Because everybody is So charmed by Brandon Praia's performance
1: Yeah It's kind of like When Courtney Cox Urged the new Creators of Scream To like Still shoot A place In there Where Dewey survives And they were like No we're not doing that We're having him die Thank you very Wait, much Wait they Trem did suggestion. that I didn't know that no, they, dev- they never filmed it, but Courtney Cox like urged, she was like, you have to, because you just, you never know how the audience is going to react, like, you know, and they were like, sure, we'll do it, and they didn't. Ha-ha. And so, they were like, Courtney, you know what? We're not going k- have- to keep your husband
0: working, okay? Or your, your, your baby daddy. Um, uh, right. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, but that's like, because he was originally supposed to die in the original, and then they filmed. And two. Which, yeah. <laughs> They just kept shooting alternate endings for him, and they exactly. kept putting it in and putting it in. Now it would have sh- it would have stayed true to the original if they had. So,
1: okay, can we just talk about this real quick? Okay, at this point, like Scream news is coming out. <laughs> Melissa Barrera, <laughs> Melissa Barrera said a quote, and she goes, "Maybe I said too much, but she says um, it's really interesting putting the Scream franchise in New York City because you could literally be screaming down, running down the street." by being chased by Ghostface and nobody would try to get involved and she's like I hope I'm not revealing too much and I'm like is that gonna be a scene that's that fucking subway scene probably (laughs) Like
0: you've been asking for it what Times Square
1: not somebody getting murdered by Times Square not literally Jason takes Manhattan yeah. Oh my god. This might be the worst of the franchise. Okay, so <laughs> Oh
0: god. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Anyway, let's see. Back back to back almost back to up. I mean back to nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> back to way over there. Um okay, let's see. Yeah. We got Antlers Holst. Give a warm welcome back to Michael Wincott. Woo! We obviously mentioned that during the synopsis. He was in our episode that we discussed on the crow. So go back and listen to that. He's great in this role, a tortured artist, right? Looking for his next impossible shot. He's fascinated yes. by the wild. He's infa- he infatuated with the untamed creatures of the earth. Um, right. When M calls him, you know, obviously we, we you talked about the influences of Steven Spielberg on this movie. Jordan Peele was very inspired by Steven Spielberg films like um, Encounters of the Third Kind, and, Close Encounters, close yeah. encounters Jaws, uh, even War of the Worlds. So like Super Eight, <laughs> probably. Probably. So like seeing um, Michael Wincott in this scene, he's looking at the TV and in the window behind the TV, and we're getting like shots of like up close shots of animal eyes. And, and the background is the, his window that looks over like this jungle foliage in his yard I guess and it sort of to me looked like Jurassic Park like specifically that scene where Muldoon <laughs> is uh, in the jungle with the raptors and then we get that yeah. great close up shot of the raptor's eye with the snake going across yes. the foliage and stuff that's what it reminded me of so I was like is that a Jurassic Park
0: reference um, I mean probably so maybe. creature might not be too far off. Mm-hmm. no I think so yeah um yeah, so we his character doesn't come into play too much yet, but um he has that such like iconic gravelly voice. It's like scary, spooky. Yeah, it's it's kind of spooky and, and so so deadly serious, you know. It it feels like he's going to bring something really really good to this movie. He also seems kind of jaded by the Hollywood system because
1: Yeah. he what, he's known for being this person, this yeah. cinematographer who can capture amazing the imagery shot. the impossible shots of the wild earth and yeah. meanwhile we also just were introduced to him through Miss Bonnie's Activia commercial or whatever the fuck she was doing so <laughs> d- d- it was her fucking diaper commercial yeah her, yeah, her depends, depends commercial. so he kind of also seems like somebody who may have been washed out of the scene and now he's has to f- shoot fucking commercials to make a living
0: yeah that's true that's true and but like for um, a director you know a cinematographer or a director like him like to get the impossible shot like at this point he is the go-to guy what is the more what is the most impossible shot now Well, how about the shot yeah of, an alien
1: an, an alien you know why of course um, of course oh, back to our inside tea our inside little um, fly on the wall um Let's get into this Gordy attack because we have some more inside tea. And I don't know if this is public knowledge or if it will be once the DVD or the Blu ray comes out and we have, like, you know, deleted scenes and special I features.
0: Know. My purchase yeah. has a bunch of, of um, featurettes that I, I definitely want to watch. So,
1: yeah. So at this point, this might just not this might just not even be inside team. I'd just be like, if you have it, this is out there. Um, but in the trailer for Nope, there is a man in glasses who you can see listed on the IMDB page as nobody. And in the trailer, he can be seen on the Gordy set. So while this guy apparently was a crazed fan and stalker of one Miss Mary Joe Elliott, and he was in the live studio audience that day with a gun because he was gonna attempt to kidnap Miss Mary Joe. What? So when Gordy attacks, he's actually the one who shoots Gordy for mauling Mary Joe.
0: Whoa, what
1: is the yeah. plan that and then it's i was like thinking a- what if she like ended up marrying him so like by the time we get her in the star lasso event and she's wearing a s- sweater with her old face on it yes he I- like he like has groomed her and like married her and like gave her this sweatshirt to wear Ew. to public events. like what what if that was a story but I, I don't know what's going on but i can see why this was easily cut but i also think it's interesting like as horror fans we know the struggles that, you know, Scream Queen and child star Danielle Harris had with her personal stalker who yeah. showed up on her doorstep. So it's scary and it specifically feeds into the exploitation of yeah. child stars and the dangers of celebrity stalkers and...
0: Yeah, and, and you know, groomers and things like that. Real yeah. groomers. But at this point, I mean, maybe there were just too many
1: ideas in the movie, so they were like, okay... Yeah, it's a small sacrifice to make to streamline the storytelling. But if this were a TV show,
0: that would have worked very well. Absolutely, yeah. If this was a ten-episode arc on Netflix, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you think of the Gordy attack? It's vicious. So I think, yeah, the Gordy attack to me is probably one of the is the actual scariest scene for me. I mean, my god, it, it feels so real, and you know to to see these people like literally running from this animal and then getting just like mauled to death by it that's fa- terrifying Can you know like that is kind of one of my fears that I I don't think I necessarily think about a lot but I'm like I think being mauled by an animal would be Absolutely horrible.
1: Oh my God. Something stronger than you. I know. And I see a lot of people on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube with like these little pet monkeys. And I'm like, nope, I would never be me because I, you, those are not domesticated animals. Like you can train them, but you can't tame their natural primitive instinct. Right. Exactly. Even dogs, like you can't put your hand in their bowl when they're eating their food. Like, you know, there's still
0: things that you have to be careful not to do. So I don't like that. And that's like a big, Thing in this film is this idea of like taming wild animals, and um, I I think it's OJ who says like you can't you can't really tame an animal. You can only have an agreement with them, you know, and 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 it takes lots of trust. It takes time, but you're never fully going to be able to control an animal.
1: Ask Siegfried and Roy, as they say. Exactly.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I know that was a huge inspiration for this this sort of storyline was the Sigrid and Roy story because you know they were two of the most famous magicians ever and they and you know were known for their tigers and everything and then and then one day it just happened where Roy was mauled by one of these tigers and so yeah or when Travis the chimp a trained
1: animal actor attacked his a a trainer's best friend like oh my god this is horrible it it's the most vicious thing in the movie and jordan peele did a great job directing it because we don't ever fully see it but you can hear it it. you can see the blood so it's like
0: well yeah it it puts you in the position of hiding from this thing which most people would be doing and but hearing it and you're like hearing people being mauled or murdered or killed and and it's and it's unsettling, and you know we're sort of coming from the perspective of under that table where Joop is, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, you you just you feel like you're in that situation with him. You feel like you are the one under the table, and then your heart kind of drops when Gordy kind of takes a second to breathe and then looks over under the table, and you're like, oh shit, <gasps> and yeah, and his his eyes almost feel. Like demonic. I don't know. Like something. De- possessed. Yeah, like I was going to say possessed. But, you know, but he's like walking towards, they're like so big and they're so prominent. And he starts walking towards. And then this moment happens where they do this fist bump. And I think that this is the catalyst for the entire Jupe storyline, which is the fist yeah. bump. The way that I've read, or it could be interpreted, is that Gordy and Jupe sort of have similar roles within this sitcom, right? They're both yeah. the other in this situation. They're, you know, in this produ- in this white family, they have a monkey and they also have adopted an Asian kid. And the Asian kid has been the butt of the jokes for th- this, at least throughout this episode, in the script, right? He he brought the bad present and then the little white girl comes in, Miss Mary Joe, and she has the better present and we're like oh we're all meant to laugh at like what you know what a terrible p- present Jupe got or you know what yeah. the character's name is and then and then also Gordy ends up being the sort of punchline as well being in the box you know so they they both serve a certain role within this sitcom and in this moment it almost feels like solidarity between them is, where instead of Gordy attacking Jupe he kind of sees him as like an ally in the situation he's like look man look, yeah. I did this for us I, I, you know you're you and I are on you know similar we have the, uh, we're one in the same in a way
1: <laughs> yeah like they're they share like kind of like an equal part of the exploitation of right exactly that and moment. Like,
0: yeah and he's like dude this is there's only so much I could take you know, which I think probably yeah. a lot of people who are, have been in that situation before, who have been cast as that, who have been exploited the way they have, I'm sure feel like this. Yeah. You know, like there's only so much I can take of this before I, I, I lose my sanity. And the littlest, littlest thing makes me pop, you know. Sugar.
1: Yeah. I, and I think that this kind of. I mean there are different fan theories about this too because there are are people who have online that have said he didn't attack Jupe because there was that veil between them like Mm. from the the tablecloth that like because he didn't make direct eye contact that's why he didn't get attacked because there's so much about eye contact in this and then there's also this on the synopsis before I edited it which we got the synopsis from IMDb um, where they said that the chimp signs to Jupe, what happened to the family? Before he goes over there and fist bumps him, and I'm like, wait, what? I did not see him
0: he, doing what, sign that, language. What does it even mean? What? happened? the, the chimpanzee
1: like looked over at Jupe and was like, what happened to the family? And then went over there and like fist bumped him
0: before oh, getting like, shot he was, dead. Like, like he was like out of his mind. Like he like
1: was, like yeah, like he came to, but I'm like, I don't oh. think that's true. So I took it out of the synopsis because I was like, I. You're the only person I mean, who thinks that. I mean, that's an
0: interesting way to think about it, too. I kind of prefer my version, but...
1: That's a great insight on that.
0: And I think that it does influence Jupe's actions later, when now yeah. he feels like he has this... He's in control. ...ability to to bond with these wild creatures. Yes. Which is what influences him to think that he oh. can control the thing in the sky. Because it's
1: kind of given him a superiority complex. Yes. Yeah
0: exactly or like an inflated sense of ego uh, when it comes to how these creatures will approach him he thinks like oh do you know what I survived the Gordy attack all those years ago I have a special connection with you know with the wild creatures look I can even tame this giant thing this animal in the sky this alien creature but what we come to find out is that that's not true at all yeah he can't even get lucky out of the box to like (laughs) do the thing but, go- but the whole Gordy attack has been such an influential part of his life. It's been so integral to who he is, and you know the performer that he's become. That um, he just he can't even see that it's not really true. That he he believes his own hype in in that sense.
1: Ooh, well that takes us into the next section.
0: Yes. Title card. Lucky. While Angel sets up tarps for a coming storm, OJ finds Jupe's flyer promoting the Star Lasso experience. Deducing that this might involve Lucky, he heads to Jupiter's claim to get Lucky back. Meanwhile, the Star Lasso experience is already starting. Jupe walks out into a small arena, and his audience watches on from the bleachers. Among the spectators is an ex-co-star, Mary Jo Elliott, who wears a hat and veil to cover her disfigured face from the Gordy attack. Jupe begins to tell the audience about a night where he witnessed the UFO and promises an extraordinary spectacle. The UFO arrives as Jupe reveals a glass box that contains Lucky. Jupe plans to have the horse be sucked up by the UFO, but Lucky refuses to walk out of the box. He said, nope. Yeah. (laughs) He kind of looks at Jupe too, like, "Mm -mm." nope, no. Everyone looks up towards the UFO as it closes in on the arena. We focus in on Jupe's shocked expression, looking up at the object as the shadows behind him depict the audience being sucked up by the UFO. We see the inside of the UFO, and it's revealed that the object is not a ship, but an alien itself. We notice a green square, which seems to be the creature's eye. Jupe, his family, Mary Jo, and the audience are consumed and digested by the alien, while their screams and the crunching of bones are heard in the background. OJ finally arrives to an abandoned Jupiter's claim, and finds Lucky, before the alien returns to try and suck him up. OJ is knocked out by the bleachers of the arena. He wakes up at night and finds Lucky intact before loading the horse into his truck and driving towards the ranch. He calls M, who is still on the ranch as Angel begins to leave. He warns her that the UFO is actually a predatory alien who sees the ranch and the surrounding area as his territory. Just then, Angel is forced to seek refuge in the house as the lights and electronics stop while the creature approaches the ranch. The alien arrives above the Haywood house and vomits, raining blood and debris all over the house as M and Angel watch in horror. OJ arrives at the scene, but his truck shut off before he can reach the house. The alien moves towards his truck and spits out the decoy horse, which crashes through OJ's windshield. So exciting. Nice. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting these big, these big awesome moments here. Big and I, and
1: cinematic moments. Yes. I, I love that Jordan Peele put a little bit of himself into um Jupe because Jupe uses numerology <laughs> because <laughs> Gordy's attack lasted six minutes and 13 seconds. And then he tells the audience that the alien first appeared to him at 6.13 p.m. So you're you're right. Like jupe is looking for these connections. He and and he yes. finds them and he, it makes him feel like this is his destiny, that he has yeah. full control of the situation, that it was meant for him to exploit this alien. For his own financial gain,
0: exactly, which, which turns out not to be the case. It, it turns out that you can't tame the the wild and untamed thing in the sky. It's, uh, <laughs> so, but I think this scene is very frightening. From I mean, so he it's a small audience watching the show. Like it's not the, the biggest audience just in a few the world. People, yeah. Right, but I mean what happens is so it's so horrific, I think, you know. That, it's scary. You know, we he has this big this big monologue that he's been practicing about how, you know, this how he's going to be the one to show them the most spectacular thing that they've ever seen. And then it completely backfires and you know that scene where everybody's like looking up, looking at the thing in the eye, you know, as we've yes, established of kind of that. That, you know that is what leads it to eat you I guess and the entire audience is looking at it now they're all and they're all mesmerized by it we have that really chilling shot of Miss Mary Joe standing up and the wind blowing and you know exposing her, her <laughs> yeah her, her mauled a face. deformed
1: yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember people thinking in the trailer that that was what the aliens were gonna look like that yeah. she was an alien I'm like oh my god not people thinking that a, a mauled person um, is an alien
0: <laughs> I know but it it is kind of like at first I was like oh no are we exploiting people who have been injured but I was like uh, I don't think I don't know if that, <laughs> that's the case and then you were
1: not. like oh, who cares no just kidding <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was like, this is exactly what it is and I love it yeah <laughs>
1: so you're right this is where Jupe learns that he doesn't have control of the situation he's not superior he has been just leading himself on at this point because it's like have you learned nothing You can't train something wild. You, out of
0: everybody, should know that. Exactly. And this thing swallows them all up, right? And then this scene that happens afterwards is, other than the, like, the attack, or not the attack, but the, the kids in the barn, I think this is actually very scary because this goes back to my nightmares of, like, Being abducted by aliens? Not even abducted. It's about like mass murder, like by uh, some sort of giant creature or something. Like I do have Mm -hmm. fear, but like the idea that that you don't think about this when you see something that big, like swallowing somebody in a movie or whatever. You don't think about the fact that they have that they don't probably just don't like instantly die. They like have to be digested.
1: No, it's a slow death.
0: And so then for Jordan Field to literally show us these people just, like, going through the digestive <laughs> system and screaming and listening to each other die, like, that is so chilling. Uh, that that scene fucked me up.
1: Yeah, it was sort of giving me, like, the blob, sort of, like, the cotton candy from Killer Clowns Stowers' face. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just
0: the way it's all happening. Um, Think about, like, a human being being swallowed by, like, a whale or something. Like, they're not going to yeah, die like immediately. Yeah, like
1: They're gonna have to go through
0: the fucking digestive tract and then die. Like an anaconda. Yeah, yeah, like that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is so scary. It kind of does look like an like an inflatable bounce house they're in though, which
1: yeah, it looks a little silly, but it's fine. I think that it's it it is scary because it's kind of like feeds into the fear of
0: like like, closed in spaces, like claustrophobia. Yeah, almost like oh my god, like these people probably suffocate too. There's no air inside that thing. No, no. So they suffocate. They're digested. Their bones get crunched They get eaten. Probably stinks in there. Oh god! They probably get like I don't know if this thing has stomach acid, but I assume they get probably like sizzled in that. (laughs) It must. It must. It made my mind wander, obviously, and it was very effective because every time I see it, I'm like, ooh, this is this is sad.
1: It is, it, it's kind of, yeah, <laughs> it's, like, claustrophobic, and you're like, wow, the sense of being trapped is, like, really terrifying, yeah. like,
0: ah. yeah. Trapped and then eat, like, digested, that part fucks me up.
1: But we get now what this alien represents, which is kind of the industry that all these characters are chasing after, the Hollywood system, like, it'll chew you up and spit you out. Period. Which brings us to my favorite imagery in this section, which is the blood raining down on the house, yeah. um, which is very War of the Worlds. Um, yes. There is one shot in particular where we're seeing it from the inside where uh, M and Angel are, where the blood is um, washing down over one of the windows and lightning strikes and it illuminates the redness yes. in the blood. And it's beautiful, classic Horror. Like it's yeah, really totally. such a great moment.
0: What do you think this is? Do you think this is the the alien or whatever? Is it like
1: pooping? Is it, or like it's I don't like, know. Yeah, like
0: pooping, vomiting, peeing. What is
1: happening? <laughs> well, I was still trying to figure out if maybe like the decoy horse being lodged in it was like making it you, like throw up. Throw up, like it was forcing it, or if it was like showing them who's boss. Yeah, like being petty. Like do you want, I'm yeah, shit on. Like you know walls, what, bitch. As a matter right? of fact, Ooh. your fucking house is my toilet, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But I love this moment of O.J. in the car starting to figure out, looking at the alien will trigger it. And in a film about watching spectacles and making eye contact and visual consumption, Daniel Kulia's eyes, again, they work so well. He has these big beautiful eyes and we have this great long close-up shot of his eyes like scanning and investigating the scene.
0: All set to um, the classic 80s hit, I Wear My Sunglasses At Night like that's yes. song, that's what's like what, what's playing in Angel's Man and it like kind of goes into this like creepy version of it like slow down yeah. and um I thought that was like a direct reference to the eye contact thing it was like in order to survive if you wear your sunglasses at night then the mm-hmm. thing probably won't eat you
1: probably yeah it's very telling like there's a lot happening that's giving him the signs that you can't make eye contact with it and okay so there's this alien i think that it looks great it kind of has this classic ufo from the 1950s movie like yeah, design it, does.
0: it It looks like a classic image of a flying saucer
1: yes yeah and that's all we get here so i'll only talk about that here yes. but then um while that's great apparently a reddit fan theory is that the inspo behind the alien is hp lovecraft's flying polyps which hmm. showed up in something that he wrote back in like the 30s. But the connections between the two are that they can control wind and weather, which explain Ooh, okay. the suck up. They make whistling, screaming sounds. Yeah. They usually make um, isolated territories, or sorry, isolated areas their territory, which makes sense because okay. this is like in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. And they can distort themselves, which we see later when it kind right. of unfolds. And then if you notice and look at them they become that's when they become violent and they attack you by creating forces of wind to throw you around so i can definitely see that being so the inspiration it's literally a flying polyp from like 99 percent of what you
0: just said was exactly what is exactly
1: what happens yeah so i don't think that that fan theory is too off on that because we see all of that here so
0: it's a flying polyp that's
1: what it is I guess but I've heard it being called so many other things online I'm like I'm not calling it that
0: yeah I heard Um, it's like it's like an eyeball that looks like an eye flying through the sky yeah to me it looks like a a little grey pancake
1: I think it ends up looking like a stingray and then it kind of looks like oceanic once it unfolds the way it
0: moves is so smooth though and and it's quiet that's like kind of gliding. then it like glides but I do feel like I would love to sit on top of it and fly is that (laughs) because it is it looks smooth it looks really soothing it's almost like when you, um, you like ride the swings at an amusement park when you're just like, that's what it feel like being that's yanked what I feel around. like. What it feel like. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, like, yeah. like you're flying. Yeah, just really beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah, it kind of does look like an eyeball now that you think of it. And then also like the well, the wink and well that we were introduced to you earlier that oh, yeah. kind of looks like an eye when it's looked at from an aerial view. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then of course in the next, the very next scene that we're about to get into, we see Em and Angel using an Oculus so oh, yeah. there's a lot of attention to the eyes here the at eyeballs. this
0: point yeah, it looks like an eye, they're using their eyes
1: yeah, Jenny Kaluuya
0: has big eyes <laughs> yeah, exactly um, And but then that's when he uses his training as Brain. a horse trainer to uh, realize that it's just like any other animal and you gotta treat it like an animal so, yeah. you know, smart, OJ smart
1: well, let's wrap up this story The next morning, O.J. gets Em and Angel to flee in Angel's truck, and the alien arrives again. Recalling the earlier incident with Lucky on the commercial set, O.J. doesn't look at the alien and manages to survive the encounter. The group seeks refuge at Angel's apartment. That night, while eating dinner, O.J. explains that the alien feels challenged when people look at it, and that's when it eats them. Meanwhile, Antlers listens to a news report about the disappearance of the Star Lasso Experience's audience. It seems government officials are blaming the mysterious disappearances on a flash flood. (laughs) Antlers, remembering his offer from M, decides to join the group to capture evidence of the alien. Antlers arrives on scene and together the group hatches a new plan. Antlers and Angel set up a filming station complete with Antlers hand-cranked camera, which can't be deactivated by the alien. M steals and sets up Sky Dancers so they can figure out where the alien is based on the dancers turning on and off, and OJ will bait the alien while riding Lucky. Title card, Jean Jacket. They now refer to the alien as Jean Jacket, named after the horse M never got to train. The day to set their plan in motion has arrived. However, Ryder Moybridge, played by Devin Gray, a TMZ reporter, trespasses on the area to record footage of what may have happened to the Jupiter's Claim audience. I love how no one's buying into this flash flood theory. They're like, yeah, Yeah. right.
0: Yeah, right. It's It's not even wet. This is California.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As he rides his bike through the property to try and capture the footage, he falls off his motorbike when Jean Jacket deactivates it. OJ attempts to save Ryder, but is forced to leave him to die when Jean Jacket arrives on scene. OJ successfully baits the alien, helping Antlers to capture footage. However, Antlers decides that the world doesn't deserve the footage and lets himself get killed by Jean Jacket, destroying the footage in the process. After M and Angel survive their encounters with the alien, it starts to unfold into a huge jellyfish-like form. Em uses Ryder's motorbike to drive towards Jupiter's claim, while OJ baits Jean Jacket away alien closes in on OJ and Lucky as M reaches Jupiter's claim. She untethers the park's giant balloon mascot and uses the Winkin' Well, an attraction that uses an analog camera, to capture a photo of Jean Jacket as it eats the balloon. Jean Jacket explodes from the pressure of the balloon popping inside of it. Em cheers and rests against the well as reporters arrive on the scene. She stands up closes her eyes, and opens them again to see O.J. riding Lucky, appearing from the dust and smoke caused by the alien. The film concludes with a shot of M's photograph of Jean Jacket. The end.
0: Wow, the end. That sounded
1: rushed. (laughs) But it's it's actually much longer than that because they have a dinner scene with antlers and there's a lot of stuff before they wrap it up. There's a few days that go by before they put this plan in motion.
0: Yeah, there's like a huge musical number where they all sing... (laughs) <laughs> uh, one-eyed, one horned flying purple people eater. Lots yes. of choreo. Lots of um, yeah, spectacle there.
1: <laughs> it's a spectacle, and it's Michael Wincott singing, so it takes a while. Um, <laughs> I-, <laughs> I love the montage of them getting us all set up, though, from like OJ training Lucky to like uh, them stealing
0: car batteries and yeah. fries supplies and sky dancers. It feels like we're ramping up to like the climax of like a like I said a classic adventure sci-fi film something like an et or a or a jurassic park or a something of that nature like these like awesome adventure films from yesteryear mm-hmm. the 90s <laughs> the 90s
1: then a late 80s early 90s yeah. um there, there's this interesting moment in the dinner scene they have with antlers where angel says aside from fame and fortune, we can also save lives. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's <laughs> like... Because at this point, I think that they're so, like, invested in it, and each of right. these characters has their own agenda, that saving other people's lives just is not yeah. the significant part of their ultimate goal.
0: Exactly. And I know, and it's, and it's weird. And I even wrote in my notes, I was like, well, at least Angel wants to know if the purpose of all this is for good. Is it the good of humankind that they're doing this? Like, what is their number one goal is it just money is it just the notoriety or is it to actually like save humanity and I think that for him that's what's most important
1: yeah because he's lost in this world he wants connection he wants meaning purpose and he's finding it in this but everyone else is just looking for the coin so it's like
0: yeah at least he brings up the idea like Uh, at least uh, hopefully we're doing this for the good of mankind at least somebody's thinking about it
1: yeah and no one's buying this government cover-up of like a flash flood taking his because why are their cars still there like it makes no sense so then (laughs) yeah writer Moybridge shows up because he's interested to capture the real story much like everyone else in this scene is and this is a very fast introduction um this is weird it's kind of creepy at first like his helmet is like this big reflective mirror with just the eye cut out
0: yeah the way he's talking makes he sounds like really sinister I was like wait where is this going I was literally like what kind of twist is this movie about to take I was like is he like literally I thought it was going to become like government sort of like government conspiracy something but then he turns out he's just from TMZ
1: Yeah, be- yeah, yeah, it's funny because once uh M realizes who he is, she backs up like scared and she's like, "Yeah. Fuck. It's TMZ." <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great element to add to this story, to this narrative because TMZ they're Spectacle. the pioneers and proprietors of modern celebrity exploitation. So
0: Absolutely.
1: This is great to yeah. add them you know how many into
0: TMZ the mix? videos I used to watch of Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan and... Leaving clubs. Leaving clubs. <laughs> yeah. High off coke. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so it only makes sense that Z would play a part in this.
1: It just seems like the character might be sort of an afterthought. Like, sure. I love his moment where the dirt bike stops and he flies off of it. Ah! with Oh!
0: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it is very funny. Uh, yeah. But then but- even till his dying breath he is like, wait, I need to get the shot. Take a picture and, of me! <laughs> and that is like very, I think that's a commentary on like the TMZ culture or like... Or just social media culture even. People are willing to lay down their lives to yeah. get that shot. Like the paparazzi and all these things, like the crazy things that they have done in order to exploit people is insane. And Well, again, when you're scrolling through Instagram,
1: TikTok, and YouTube, the things that people have captured on their phones of like very dangerous situations. I'm like, why are you yeah, there? Like this is a shootout, yes, but then
0: here I am. I don't know you, but I'm watching this video, and so now you've you've infiltrated my home. You're now spreading <laughs> around the world. Like there's obviously some sort of payoff for the crazy shit that people do and catch on film.
1: Yeah. This is when we, we started talking about the alien unfolding and sort of... Oh,
0: wait, we, we forgot to talk about my favorite characters, the Sky Dancers.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. Do you think it's a little silly that, like, the balloons and the Sky Dancers also their eye contact with the creature
0: <laughs> triggers it? I mean, yes, that is kind of crazy. <laughs> That's But I do a little like, silly. again, the idea of the Sky Dancers there because their main purpose of existing is to draw people in, to get your attention, to, they are a spectacle <sighs> in themselves like, oh, uh, the oh my god interpretation of spectacle of just this flailing thing <laughs> where that people can't take car right, sale people are, <laughs> their eyes are drawn to it because it's uh, it's so erratic and it's so it's silly ridiculous looking.
1: you know you can buy a 12 pack of these for like 180 dollars on Amazon
0: did you look that up
1: no but like after I started like typing like the synopsis and stuff it seemed to be a suggestion on <laughs> Amazon <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think if you want to buy any of these I mean maybe I'm sure businesses I'm sure that's where they buy them just or if you want to set up
1: a nope Halloween display we they were prime you can get there them we fast
0: go. there we go I love that
1: order now and get them before October <laughs> 1st
0: <laughs> but I thought they were a fun addition to the story
1: that is fun that is fun and a lot of times they look like they're probably added digitally later but the special effects are absolutely great the by the time this thing is like shape-shifting and we really get to see it in clear view gliding over oj and stuff you really get to appreciate how uh, masterful the special effects are because not once does it look like it was added later yeah. into the scene it looks like this thing was there on set yeah, the
0: wind was blowing the yeah these people are being thrown around by these tornadoes it's crazy
1: Everything was consistent. The lighting, the contrast of it looked, yeah. was just consistent with the surrounding. It was perfect. It was beautifully yeah. executed, the special effects in, in these Absolutely. scenes.
0: All right, so I have a question. What do you think about this moment with with um, Antlers sacrificing his life? How do you feel about it? Because I don't know. I think I was, again, had an expectation what I thought was going to happen that didn't happen. And I was like, oh.
1: I think... Antlers is sort of, like, he's come, like, we were talking about, like, he's so, like, disenchanted by Hollywood that, like, he's he, this is a new purpose for him. He's like, I have to get this impossible shot. And once he captures it and realizes how big this could be, he's like, you know what? The world doesn't deserve it. And he, he then continues the impossible shot by, like, filming while he's going inside of it. And so... he served his life's I purpose, guess. and I guess... But is he sacrificing himself? It kind of just feels like I he's don't dying. I do know.
0: And see, my, my expectation was, was like, oh, he's like going there to get the most impossible shot, which is the shot of him going in, and that... Going inside of it. And that the thing was going to spit out the camera later on. Which, is which it, will. it will. And then that's how they like I, th- I expected her to like find the camera and be like oh wow. my god this survived I have the proof because to me that is stronger than the winking well.
1: I did think that at first because when we see Angel kind of like fall down the yeah. hill and then we the see like down. the camera rolls come yes. too, and we're like oh I'm like oh my god like, like he captured this shot for them yes. like let me take it a step further this is the impossible that's shot that's what I
0: thought was happening and then it Maybe. didn't happen I mean, like maybe it did happen. Maybe they do end up finding it later. But it seems like they put so much emphasis on the getting the picture. The, the wink and well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I thought for sure that was, was going to happen. And it didn't. But I do think that I kind of feel like that would have been stronger than the picture.
1: Where she finds it. Yeah. And she's yeah. like. <gasps> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh,
0: we didn't get anything. But wait, there's the camera. Oh, my God. Or like something along those lines. Yeah,
1: I guess I'm glad Ryder showed up because this is kind of like a badass scene where they're like racing against time trying to get this final like uh, moment because now I guess their hopes are up so I guess that antlers thing was never a part of it because once he like says that cryptic message and gets sucked up they're like fuck well let's Let's try one last thing and I love how they're like I'm not giving up like I don't care that he's dead I'm not giving up I'm still gonna get the shot so (laughs) um Kiki looks like she's actually riding this m- dirt bike I'm like this again the special effects great that final slide um with the motorcycle I said get her in a marvel movie what is happening this was that was great and it looked like they actually dragged her ass into that position so then she releases jupe's balloon and I love this like cowboys versus alien standoff yes. in the clouds where it's like the wink and jupe balloon like coming against the yeah. alien and the alien is stupid enough to believe this right. shit and swallows that enormous balloon. It's
0: not the smartest alien slash animal we've ever seen on film, but um, so, but I do want to kind of call attention to, like, the... What do you think the transforming is about? Why do you think it's doing that?
1: I don't I, know. I'm like, is this it And its fully aggravated sure. state? Sure. Like,
0: but I was thinking, I was like, okay, maybe... Well, I have two kind of things to say about it. First of all, okay. I like, the reason why I think it's happening, I don't know if this is true or not, but my interpretation is like, is it like almost like tempting you to look at it because now it's not getting that eye contact? What if oh, it was yeah. like, if, if it's like expanding and turning into all these what shape- about yeah, this? shapes to where <laughs> it's like, you know, you like see it out of the corner of your eye and you're like, I need to look at what's happening over here. Like you can't help yeah. it. I feel like maybe it's like, Trying to, to yeah, tempt him to look at it. Well, because also
1: it's been super quiet, other than when it's like yeah. swallowing people and echoing their screams. Um, but it's been super quiet, and now it's like with the thing that it's doing with its eye. It's like, yeah, it's like okay, yeah, loud. calm down, Shh,
0: quiet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not looking. La 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 la. Yeah, I don't know what bills you pay on this ranch to be making that noise. You making that loud noise? That that's the second thing I was gonna come to. Was like how it looks and it's so like Mm. geometrical and like the shapes are so interesting and not at all what you would expect you know an alien to look like i feel like we've had this um thing in hollywood of making aliens almost resemble like bugs or something that already preys on a fear that we have. and this one is so different it's so it's so it has so many shapes like angular shapes like squares and things like that and i, I was thinking about it yeah I, like, I appreciate that because i have always felt me personally that if an if we were to ever see like an alien from another planet or a spaceship or something there is no way that we are going to know that we're going to be able to conceptualize some things like we you know what i'm saying
1: yeah well it's also pretty narcissistic of us As a human race to think that an advanced, um, you know, community of alien species would even remotely look like humans. Or
0: resemble any kind of technology that we have or anything. (laughs) So I was like, oh yeah, I was like, this is so abstract because I think, I don't know if we would be able to comprehend what these things would look like. Like, what if they had... Yeah. metals or or materials that we've never seen or colors we've never even imagined could exist or you know what i'm saying
1: yeah 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 our eyes yes. can't even like comprehend yes. it it's like exactly. oh. that's, that's why i yeah. think
0: all the time i'm like what if something from another world is so incomprehensible to us and that's yeah. kind of where i feel this and is where it's like wow these shapes are so weird and what is it even doing when it's like <clears throat> like flipping its eye. Almost like a mating thing. It's like, what is this? I can't even tell what it is. But
1: also that, that feeds into H.P. Lovecraft's um, uh, description of his flying polyps, where it says that they can distort themselves into different shapes and sizes that defy geometric rules. So it's like, totally. So that that definitely
0: ties into this then. Cause so I really appreciate that as somebody who has had that thought before, I was like, yes, absolutely. This is so bizarre looking because there's no way we would know or we cannot predict as humans what something like an alien would look like from another planet.
1: Yeah, we don't know. We just think, oh, yeah, they're like humans, but like with bigger eyes. It's like, that's very (laughs) like they have to look like humans. What else could be that intelligent? Exactly. exactly. Um, (laughs) It's so narcissistic of us. So here's the question. Is OJ dead? Because on the race there, the saucer or, you yeah. know, the, the thing is kind of going over him. And Kiki makes it. And when I first watched it, I assumed he was alive. Everything was yeah. fine. But after reading the reviews, breakdowns and theories, I think he might be dead. Really? Who who is shooting at them? He. Because what they're saying is that he only appears after she's closed her eyes and uh, reopens Mm. them and he appears under this sign that says out yonder and he's sort of like seen all calm and stoic in this like dust and cloud and this smoke and um, it sort of seems like he's in the abyss you know so like people are speculating that that he died and that was an apparition of him
0: and lucky I went they died together. I mean, that's possible. To me, what it looks like, it almost looks like he's framed in the same way the the jockey, the moving picture looks. Because he's oh, like, oh uh, my looks god, like he's like in a mo- like a like that frame. Amazing. That's what it looked like to me, and I was like, oh, look at that, like a full circle moment where now they're going, they're going to be moment. this, you know, this family that has you know been overlooked for their contribution to the movie making industry as having you know their their great 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 grandfather be the first movie star and now look now here he is as a survivor um you know framed as what's what's now going to be probably one of the most famous people ever for for being a part of capturing the first extraterrestrial on film
1: and that could still be it but look at it this way okay we are getting that full circle moment with that imagery we're also kind of getting a full circle moment because Otis senior died with the coin and that's yes. what kiki or that's what miss m does to get this picture of the doing jagishis as a coin so uh, the popular theory is that he's dead so what does this mean well like you said it's coming full circle we're getting the imagery of what happened in the beginning of this movie that gave them this legacy and now though i think that him being dead gives Em the chance to create and carve out a new legacy for the Haywood Ranch. Whereas OJ was so rooted in maintaining a dying art yeah. form, M now has the opportunity to create a new vision and legacy for the Haywood Ranch and the Haywood Legacy that she was shut out from. So I like that it also could feed into her character arc. She's like, well, you know what? that's a dying art form the horses are no longer the star of the show how do we continue the haywood legacy and bring it into a new era and maybe m is the only person who can truly do that now that oj is sort of out of the picture but we still get that amazing imagery of him and framed in that box much like his great great grandfather
0: wow so it could still be the
1: full circle moment but it's also the next chapter where it's not the the men of the family anymore. It's M kind of taking over. I
0: love that. Into the new Hell chapter. yeah.
1: Because honestly, they market this as Daniel Kaluuya being the star of the movie. the You know, the primary star. And that she's sort of the secondary, yeah. second in command character. But after watching it for the first time, I was like, you know, M and Kiki Palmer, they, she literally was... This central point of this movie, she had the most lines, she had the most scenes, the most action. The because she was so verbal and he was so shy that she gets to be the star of this movie. And I thought it was funny that they didn't really market her as the headliner of this. Well, she doesn't have an Oscar
0: like he does, so.
1: Ooh, you're right. I'm just saying, (laughs) you know,
0: he's now Oscar winner Daniel Kaluuya, and she's Zaynay Williams. Yeah,
1: (laughs) no, she is. A multi-hyphenate Absolutely.
0: of Hollywood. Okay. I love her so much. <laughs> is that the end? Yeah, we made it to the end. Final thoughts. All right, final thoughts. Um, to me, I think that this movie is uh, a little more subtle in its maybe commentary than the other two, but I still think it's so rich in, the, in its social commentary and its you know viewpoint on... You know exploitation and spectacle in the Hollywood industry. I saw one article that literally said it's like one of the greatest movies of the movie making industry, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's such an interesting wow. perspective on it, just because of its commentaries on you know exploitation, People spectacle, the animal animals.
1: People are calling it his best film yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, and what's exciting about it is that it is an ex- the th- for a director. For his third film to also be a success like that makes him one I already puts him in the category of one of the greats I feel like it has to
1: a master of horror absolutely
0: three fresh ratings on Rotten Tomatoes in a row yeah. damn
1: I'm excited what he'll be able to do beyond horror and sci-fi. I mean, I don't want him to. I don't go want him to. to um, I love it. Move on. But, you know, he's the artist. So, Why do they always but, want to do
0: that? Why do they always want to be like, I don't want to be put in a box and just make horror movies forever. Why not? Why I not? Know. But yeah, I love the cast. I think everybody's fantastic in it. I think this is a, you know, a star, star making role for Kiki even though she was already a star. I think that, yeah. you know, for her to be given this opportunity to headline a major motion picture by one of the most revered directors of today, I think this is fantastic, yeah. and I'm I'm so happy for her. I just love it. I think everything. I think I enjoy this movie more and more every time I watch it. Yeah, me too. And because um, at first, you know, you're sort of you're distracted by how much you're trying to figure it out. N- once you already know what's happening it's easier to enjoy it because then you can really delve into that. You can really, mm-hmm. you know, you're not like spending so much time going, All right, I'm looking for the social commentary. Once you know what it is, it's easier to to digest it and enjoy it and uh, be affected by it. So for me, this is a, a, a four out of five. Okay,
1: cool. Yeah, I think this film is great. Um, I love Jordan Peele's artistry. He's obviously such an intellectual... Um, nothing is a happenstance nothing is a mistake he's so careful and calculated with how he approaches his storytelling And, and I love that he was able to make a movie that people are still loving even without... You know commentaries on race and class and and sure and which you know are kind of you or know, maybe not hands. not
0: not as obvious ones like because
1: not as obvious. It still has a social commentary. There
0: are many a theory about like its comments on race and everything like that. That there are a lot of that.
1: Well, yes, yes, because there's still the inclusion of um, people of color within the cast that yeah. are bringing back the erasure of you know black cowboys in the westerns sure. and stuff like that. So there still is that, but now he's able to kind of be more free with um, with if he can just cast black actors as the leads yeah. and and you know and not have to it doesn't have to be a movie about right uh, you know a social commentary of race like th- it's just them existing now and bringing back uh, black characters into these cultures that always shut them out of it so yeah. I love that he did that here um I don't think it falls short of his brilliance um the performances are great the music is great the special effects are great every piece of this is great i will say the one critique i do have of this is that some of the supporting characters seem like they were supposed to have a bit more yeah like from nessie to Jupe's wife amber to mary joe to Ryder. like it seems like a lot of the supporting characters were maybe just afterthoughts to kind of keep the story going which is their purpose something
0: that this movie was going to be like six hours long or something like that at first I wouldn't be surprised. I don't
1: know. It seemed like it was supposed to be much longer and that these characters that were supposed to be bigger got reduced some way. So I feel like that's slightly obvious, you yeah. know? But um, I don't know. I, I don't think that it takes away from the movie at all. I just think that there's a little bit of like an editing situation here where it's like, was that supposed to be more grand, you know, right. with that character or something like that? But it's a great movie, and honestly, I think it's one of the best uh, sci-fi movies. I think It's one of the best a- examples of an alien movie yeah. out there. Um, especially being able to relate it to something so human and so m- grounded, and totally. a lot of the truth in the movie is is there. So I would give it a four and a half out of five. It's just a half star shy of being perfect. Yes, um, and I think we've rated. I think we rated us like pretty high. I mean, his movies are just great.
0: Yeah. His movies are just great. I think he, I'm so excited for him to keep this ball rolling and just roll out some more brilliant, brilliant horror for us. I'm excited.
1: Yes. Yes. I love his inclusion. I love his eye for detail. He's just a brilliant filmmaker. I'm excited yeah. by him. Jordan Peele
0: fucking rules.
1: <laughs> he fucking rules. John Carpenter, who? No <laughs> But honestly, he's been very consistent with his movies, and not all directors, even the greats, can say that every movie was a hit.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: He's on a roll. He is on a roll.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, I think that concludes our episode on Nope. That was out of this world, like every other Uh, sci-fi film (laughs) we've done.
1: (laughs) This is an out of this world experience. Um, Yes. Next week, we are doing... a brand new movie, once again, but this one's, like, brand, brand, like brand new. brand,
0: brand new. And this is one y'all have been waiting for, for, like, 30 years.
1: Yeah! A movie, a sequel, 30 years in the making, which is, of course, Hocus Pocus
0: 2. Yay! I cannot Which, by wait. the point
1: that this episode comes out, this movie will be out, and everybody will have already seen it, but... We're doing it, and it's fun, because it's Halloween. It's our Halloween episode.
0: Exactly. So enjoy it, you bitches. I love you all. And because
1: we didn't do, like, a fully Halloween-themed month for October like we usually do, we're doing two Halloween movies this year. Yeah, We're even spilling into November. The party doesn't stop.
0: Absolutely. Halloween is every day
1: <laughs> yes we always post fun things on our Instagram at fear the talking queers
0: yes make sure you go visit see all the fun things we got we have our soundtrack Sunday name me some uh, songs you threw in for note for our soundtrack Sunday
1: um, I threw in E-40's song Choices yup but um, you know it, it was they played it in the trailer for Nope okay. so it was like an easy pick but you know E-40's from my hometown so I had to like highlight his artistry as well in this and then uh, <laughs> and then I think I also put Somebody's Watching Me for like the 30th time on. Uh, the, the
0: <laughs> well, yeah, original um, choice
1: I think it was between that and like Dark Horse by Katy Perry oh, yeah. was like oh yeah okay
0: thank you.
1: Rodeo by Lil Nas X. Like, you know, there's some What about
0: yours? Oh my gosh. I picked um Monkey by George Michael. You know, Ah, a a (laughs) um I just like the lyrics I was like um Don't look now, there's a monkey on your back. Like, I don't know, it's kinda I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) And then I, I picked this song by this art this Australian pop artist that I like, her name is Delta Goodrum. And she has this random song called Welcome to Earth. And whenever I listen to that song, it sounds like it remind again. It reminds me of like Mars Attacks, where she's like, it sounds like she's welcoming aliens to Earth, and there's like this like sort of kumbaya thing about it. That she's a Ned Bettings right. character. Yes, ex- yes, that's exactly what it feels like. And so I kind of thought that was funny, like you know, welcoming this alien to Earth, and she doesn't ever explicitly say anything about aliens, but. Um, and then what else did I throw in there? I threw and oh no 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 by oh part two by Destiny's oh, Child amazing that's what I thought was going to be the the creepy the creepified version for the trailer. But yeah,
1: I remember we even sang it on yeah, one of our previous episodes. We did. But no, 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 no. Boom. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that turned out not to be the case. And then, nope. um, uh, I think I threw in. I think
1: the I think the choices song by E40 was the only song they used in its marketing. Oh yeah, that kind of was related sure. to that.
0: Yeah, they didn't really do the the creepy version. Oh, and then I finish it off with uh, Can't Be Tamed by Miley Cyrus. I mean, that that Uh, (laughs) speaks for itself. She's Gordy.
1: She's Gordy singing. Yes. yes. I can't be tamed.
0: (laughs) Exactly. She's Jean Jacket. Oh, my God. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Hey, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, um, (gasps) where you can leave us a review. Five stars for our fifth season.
1: Yes, and are you a Spotify listener? Because you can also drop five stars on that platform as well.
0: Yes, tell your friends, Hmm. tell your family, and tune in every week for a new episode of Fear the Talking Queers. Oh
1: my god, yes! But for now, sweet screams, bitch! Bye!